Hello and welcome to the Dragons Are Real podcast. Now, for some inexplicable reason, well, people are looking at to try and some alternatives to 5th edition D&D. They want to give some of their systems a try. And so I thought uh, I would make one suggestion out there. And this today I'm going to be talking about 13th Age. So what is 13th Age? 13th Age is a game by Rob Hensu and Jonathan Tweet, who were both involved with previous editions of D&D. And they've gone about creating their own version of what D&D would be after 4th edition. This is what their idea is going to be. Now, 13th Age all centers around the icons. These are 13 movers and shakers in the world of the Empire. And you've got some good guys, you've got some bad guys, and you've got some neutral guys. At low levels, the players will be interacting with the organizations that these icons run. And as they go up in level, uh, they get higher and more powerful, then they were maybe while interacting with these icons themselves and become friends or enemies of them. So the main good icons in 13th Age is the Emperor, who is the ruler of the kingdom, the Priestess, which is one half of his religious people, the Archmage, who is in charge of wizardry for the Empire, and the Great Gold Worm, which is of the inspiration for the Holy Orders. Then we have the bad guys, people like the Diabolist, the Orc Lord, the Lich King, Prince of Shadows. Uh, and then we have some neutral ones, like the Elf Queen, the Dwarf Lord. So the whole game centers around these icons. And this can be a bit confusing for people when they first start the game. But these are sort of hooks to get the players invested in the whole system. And we'll come up to some of the... Uh, highlights and lowlights of using icons as we go along. So, what is 13th Age? Well, it's a D20 system, and if you've played any D&D, a lot of this is going to sound quite familiar. You have levels, races, classes, all the stuff that you're used to in normal D20-based games. The races available to you are your normal tropes, human, dwarf, elm, a gnome, half-elf, halfling, half-orc. And we've got the core classes of barbarian, bard, cleric, fighter, paladin, ranger, rogue, sorcerer, and wizard. Just like any D20 system, you've got your six attributes. And these range uh, anywhere from 8 to 18. And they also have a modifier, just like you do in other editions of D&D. The hit points for a, a character in 13th Age is higher than in uh, other D&D games, and there's only 10 levels, and each level in 13th Age is equivalent to about two levels in 5th edition. Each character has uh, an armor class, a physical defense, and a mental defense. Now, one core thing with 13th Age is your level, and as I said, there's 10 levels, and this level gets added to a host of roles and abilities. Um, instead of proficiency modifiers, you are going to be adding your level to every attack roll you make. So the higher level you are, the better your roll is going to be. You're also going to add it to your initiative. It also gets added to your armor class. So every time you level up, your armor class gets a bit better. And it also adds to your physical defense and mental defense. Physical defense is 
um, a defense against usually against magic for physical type spells and mental defense is again a, a defense um, against spells that attack the mind instead of a hit dice that are used to get better they have recoveries and most characters start with eight recoveries we have backgrounds and one unique thing also in your characters. Your one unique thing is a role-playing uh, prompt and it's there to tell you the one thing that's unique about your character that's different from the rest of the world. So it might be that uh, you are the best swordsman in the whole of the Empire and that is your unique fact. Nobody else is better than you. I mentioned the icons earlier while well, you also have relationships with these icons. They can be conflicted uh, they can be positive and they can be negative and at the uh, beginning of each session you roll the number of points you've put into your icon relationship and if it's a five or six it uh, tells the gm that uh, there's going to be some interaction with one of those icons or one of those icon organizations in this game besides class feats there are also a host of other general feats that uh, they can uh, the characters can gain and uh, each of the feats can uh, be a single feat or it can have certain tiers which make it more powerful and the tiers are adventurer tier champion tier and epic tier and these boost each of these general feats when it comes to the races each of the races has plus two in uh two of their attributes and they usually have an associated feat so for example humans are quick to fight basically they roll their initiative dice twice and take the best result uh, and each of the races has each of uh, has a feat that is slightly is unique to them. Uh, when it comes to classes, base HP for all classes starts is either six, seven, or eight. The armor class can range in the region of ten to sixteen. And for each of the classes, um, it lists their ability bonus, their initiative, their armor class, their defense, both physical and mental, their hit points, the recoveries. Now, some things to notice is that when it comes to damage, you're dealing one dice of damage per level. So if you normally do 1d8 damage and you add your strength modifier, your third level, you'd be rolling 3d8 plus your strength modifier. So levels does make a big difference in this game. For each class, there is a list of uh, typical armor they would wear, the typical melee weapons they would use, range weapons they would use. As another d20 games depending on the weapon the damage will be somewhere between a d4 and a d10 or stroke d12 each of the classes has their own features and then they have tier talents as well which um, as you go through the levels you can increase these talents each of the classes is very unique uh, there's a lot more powers there appears to be and if there's nothing, I'd say it's more, this is more like a fourth edition that has been simplified or made easier to run. Uh, for the spell classes, there's a list of spells. And a lot of these spells, as you uh, get uh, the spell level gets higher on the same spell, then they get more powerful. So, so damage can increase, healing can increase as you go as the levels of the spells are higher. When it comes to spells and to feats, uh, some of them are at will, so they can be done multiple times. Some um, spells and feats can be used a certain number of times per combat, per battle. Uh, some are daily. Some of the classes, uh, like fighter, uh, they have what they call flexible attacks. 
So you basically roll your attack first, and then you look at what of um, at your list of flexible attacks. And depending on what you've rolled, you can choose a maneuver or a flexible attack. So it may be that uh, if you're rolling an even number, you can pick a uh, a flexible attack. If you rolled a high number, you can pick a different flexible attack. Uh, if you miss, you can pick another flexible attack, and you can only use one of these at a time. But it gives the um, fighter player uh, it's like a, an option, uh, a menu of attacks they can do, and they don't have to choose what they're doing until they actually roll the dice, which is rather nice. Okay, so when it comes to combat, it's your typical D20 system. Uh, you roll your initiative at the beginning of a round, and the turn order stays the same while the combat uh, continues. When you attack, you're rolling your ability bonus, whether it be strength for fighting, dexterity for range attack, and your level. You try to equal or beat the armor class, the physical defense, or the mental defense of the target. Weapons roll one uh, die of damage per character level, plus you add your ability modifier as well to that. And when it comes to distances, then in... Um, 30th age, they're all abstracted, so you've got in combat, nearby, and you've got far. No measuring of grids in this game. On your turn, you can take one standard, standard action, one move action, one quick action, and any number of free actions. And at the end of your turn, you make any saves. Standard actions are usually things like um, striking with a weapon, shooting a weapon, a move you can move uh, nearby, so um, somewhere you can see on the battlefield and quick actions are usually from your talents. Free actions are general things you can do like like a torch, sheath a weapon, draw a weapon. If you have a condition, then that condition, an ongoing condition, then at the start of your turn that condition will apply and then at the end of your turn you can try and make a save to see if that condition goes away. If it doesn't, the next turn uh, the ongoing condition is going to apply to your character. To see whether a condition is ongoing, you do a save, and in this game a save is a natural d20 roll, and if you rolled 11 or more, then you succeed. A 10 or less and you fail, and uh, that applies to whether it's a save for damage or it's, uh, a save for ongoing conditions. Now one thing that they have done, which is uh, rather nifty, is in a combat they have an escalation dice, which is a d6. And on the first round of combat, this escalation dice is at a zero. On the second round of combat, it increases by one to the one side of the dice. And for all PCs, you add this one to all of your rolls. On the third round of combat, this increases to two. And you add two to all your attack rolls. So as the combat uh, goes on, you are getting more powerful because you're adding another modifier to all your rolls to try and um, keep the combats short. Uh, this maxes out on the seventh round as six, which is the six-sided dice, and you're adding plus six to all your attack rolls. If you are in combat and you wish to get away from someone, then you have two choices. You can move away from them whether they get an opportunity attack against you, or you can try and disengage. And to disengage, you roll a save, and if you roll 11 or more, you get away from the uh, disengage of the combat without an opportunity attack. You do your move and can continue any standard actions. If you fail in your save, then you are stuck in combat with a person. You can still take your normal actions, but you just can't move. 
Other things you can do in combat, you can spend one your standard action to make a rally. And basically a rally is that you're making a recovery. You're spending one of your recovery dice, you're rolling it and adding your hit points back onto your health. Now, if you've already made a rally once in the battle, the next time you want to try and do it, you've got to make a normal save, 11 plus. If you succeed, you can do a rally again, provided you've got enough recovery dice to spend. There are no modifiers for uh, combat. Uh, it's kept very simple. You're making your attacks and then you're rolling your damage if you do so. Natural 20 is a crit and it doubles all damage. Fumbles now have no mechanical effect. They can have a narrative effect if the GM so wishes, unless it's firing into a combat. If you're firing into a melee and one of your allies is there and you roll a natural one, then you have to make an attack roll against your colleague. Some classes and some weapons actually do uh, apply damage on a miss, and it's usually something like a low number, so it could be your level and hit points. So you roll your, your attack, you miss, so, and your third level, you'll deal three damage to your enemy. So there is some sort of a... You have to accomplish, even with your attacks, you're doing something minimal. As I said, when it comes to recoveries, uh, it's like spending hit dice in 5th edition. And there are uh, a, a number of conditions that characters can have. Uh, some add uh, negative modifiers to them, and others like staggered is um, a condition which doesn't actually do a lot, but there are talents that can apply if an enemy is staggered. And staggered means that the enemy or the PC is at half or less of their hit point total. When it comes to death and dying, uh, as traditional in D20 games, when you get down to zero, you do a death save. The death save in this game is 16 plus. It's a hard save. And if you succeed, then you pop up back. Um, make a recovery and you're healthy. If you roll 15 or less, you're one step towards the grave. And if you fail your fourth death save, you haven't been stabilized or healed by one of your colleagues, then your character is dead. At the end of a battle, you can take a quick rest, which a quick rest recovers some of your per battle talents or spells, uh, and it also allows you to use as many recoveries, recoveries as you want to heal your character. For long rests, um, which is called full heal ups, then these should be roughly four uh, once per day and roughly four battles, and that uh, recovers, resets your hit points, covers all of your powers, there is a comprehensive section on running the game for GMs, how to use the icons, um, how to uh, roll deal combat, uh, how to build battles, um, all the sort of stuff you would expect in a GM section. Now, when it comes to monsters, monsters have greatly been simplified. If you're used to playing Pathfinder or 5e, then these are a lot simpler rules. Uh, you can have mooks, which are your low-level um, monsters, and uh, for each multiple of damage that you cause on a mook, the damage follows through to the next one. So if you had a, a goblin with 5 hit points and you did 10 hit points, uh, uh, ten damage, the first 5 would go on the first one, kill him, and the next 5 would go on to the second one and kill them. So you can sort of chomp through these mooks nice and quickly. When it comes to monsters, the monster card is quite condensed when you look at a 5th edition monster card. So let's take a look at one. So when you um, have a, a monster, 
the details you get are the level, what type they are, whether they're a mook, whether they're a troop or they're a beast, their size, and their initiative dice uh, initiative modifier. Then you come to the attack, and it tells you what type of attack it is and how many, um, what the modifier is to that attack, and it, it uses static damage. So, for example, a dire wolf, if it hits on a, a bite, which is a plus eight, it causes eighteen damage. It also tells you whether you're rolling against the armor class, physical defense, or mental defense, and then you have um, their special abilities. Your stat block for the creature is its armor class value, its physical defense value, its mental defense value, and its hit points. That's all you need. So there's a good host of creatures here from you know wolves, goblins, spiders, demons, uh, dragons, all the common stuff here. But uh, if you look at the um, stat blocks, whereas in the 5th edition of Pathfinder you might find one or two creatures on a page, then this uh, can fit two or three creatures on a normal page. For example, a large red dragon is a quarter of a page. At the end of the bestiary section, it tells you how to build your own monsters, how to work out their initiative, uh, how to work out their abilities, um, what the baseline stat should be depending on their levels for normal monsters, uh, for mooks, for large or double strength monsters, for huge or triple strength monsters, the tables for each of those in there, so you can design your own monsters quite easily. Then at the back of the book we have the history of the Dragon Empire, uh, a map it tells you all about the different parts of the Empire, the history if you want to go into it, so the fluff is all at the back and then we've got some magic items for you to choose from. There's also an introductory adventure called Blood and Lightning which shows you what an adventure looks like. Uh, it's a, a goblin fight, so some nice uh, easy goblins to fight um, and it shows you how to put the adventure together and then it f finishes off with at the back so an index and glossary. So I've played 13th Age. A lot of it is very similar to 5th edition. If you've uh, played 5th edition before, then you've got a heads up uh, because you're, it's the D20 roll and you're adding modifiers. But there's enough little quirks there that it can throw you. Uh, combat is definitely faster. Running monsters for a GM is definitely a, a lot easier because the stat blocks are a lot smaller. I've not played 4th edition, although I've read it, but people that have told me that I've played 4th edition is this is the 4th edition that they would play now. Uh, it's got a lot of similarities with it, but it's been condensed down. It's been simplified. So yes, that's 13th Age. If you want to try something a bit different, then uh, 13th Age is an alternative to 5e. They are working on a second edition, but it doesn't look as if that's going to be out next year. So still a good time to jump in. The second edition will be compatible with first edition. From um, what I can gather, they're looking at the feats and talents for the classes. I think they're trying to simplify the icons because that has been a bit of a stumbling block for people that have come new to it. They don't quite understand it. Uh, so they're trying to simplify that a bit. Uh, or maybe not simplify, but explain it better. So that's 13th Age. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I'll catch you all on the flip side. Mm -hmm.